but it's different when the producers themselves are along the metal that they produce, right? And that's the situation now. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from The End Game Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. And I am back home. I've missed my old background. And Shroomy the Cat is still with us up there, maybe up there. I don't remember which side he's on. And I'm not really looking at myself right now. But there is a lot to talk about this week. Things are starting to move. The next financial crisis looks ever closer. Well, it is ever closer, you know, tautologically because time moves forward and it's going to happen eventually. But what I've seen today is everyone was excited. I mean, by everyone, I mean the mainstream media that's all excited about today's top story. They're all excited about NVIDIA. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. NVIDIA, NVIDIA, the chip maker, they made chips. Anyway, they were like really up and their earnings were like really high and their stock went like really crazy. And then all of a sudden the rally faded. It's all of tech fell down and like then everyone was despondent. And then by everyone, I mean the mainstream. The gold and silver started their day down and ended up even or slightly higher. It was a it was a pretty revealing day. But anyway, what happened today was that tech failed its resistance at the 50-day moving average, and silver bounced off of its 50-day moving average, which is now support. We're going to go through a little bit of a lesson in eligible versus registered metal supplies, and there's a big lesson we can learn today from Brinks and what's happening in its eligible versus registered. Bullion banks are long silver again, and when bullion banks are net long silver, that tends to signal an intermediate bottom as it has since 2018. We saw a very high volume update in the leveraged gold and silver mining ETFs, which also generally signals an intermediate bottom. I wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about palladium. Why palladium? Because there's something going on in palladium that I've never seen before, at least not in my lifetime. And yes, I will reveal my age here and take you back all the way to the early 1980s, uh, and you'll see that it has not happened since then or since palladium futures have been trading ever. As always, this silver report is brought to you by Fortuna Silver Mine, symbol FSM. And nothing new has been going on with Fortuna since last week. So I wanted to get into a little bit of the general reason why you want to hold some miners, why I want to hold some miners in my portfolio and why I do hold some miners in my portfolio. And you can take this as what I do personally for myself because I don't give advice because as we know, advice is illegal. Sometimes we can get caught in the minutia of ups and downs and technicals in the mining stocks. But basically, how do I keep calm when a mining stock falls? Well, first of all, I have physical gold and silver tucked away in different places, and that always keeps me calm. But with the mining stocks themselves, how do I keep calm about the prices of the mining stocks that I own themselves? Well, think of it this way. When hyperinflation hits and the dollar does die, and we know that it absolutely will because that is the end of every single fiat currency that has ever existed, and this will be no exception. When that does happen, the only companies with a store, a stock of money to use to buy things, or not the only, but the major asset class of companies that will have a stock of money to buy other assets will be the gold and silver miners. That's who will have the money. And why won't it be the bullion banks? Because the bullion banks are based on fiat. They're not based on 
gold, and silver. They are fiat currency banks, and they need to pay their dollar debt. So they will continue with the dollar until it is dead. They will not be stackers to the end, even though they have a lot of gold and silver now. They will not continue to through the end game. The only companies that will are the ones with gold and silver underground, which are the gold and silver miners. And once that happens, there is no telling what they can take over, what assets they can buy for a very little amount of gold and silver, for a very little amount of real money. And so basically, what I'm looking for in a miner is not necessarily a technical signals, which I do follow, which I do believe have some real significance. But what I'm looking for in a miner personally is fiscal responsibility, the ability to weather the worst circumstance, which can sometimes happen as we go on the cusp of hyperdeflation to hyperinflation to hyperdeflation again, as we go through financial crisis. What I'm looking for is a company that can handle all of that because it is responsible and it knows what it is doing and it is conservative. But anyway, let's go on with today's silver report. We're going to start with some basic technicals this week. Very briefly, what has been happening this week? Well, we see that tech the NASDAQ composite, which is the main bubblicious indicator. Well, it broke through the 50-day moving average back in early August. It is retesting the 50-day moving average uh, this past weekend. It has failed exactly at a 50-day moving average and closed at, at the bottom, or I think below even now. Uh, this is a one-day-old chart well, by the time you're watching this. Close at the bottom of the weekly candle. This is a very bearish indicator for the tech stocks. Uh, it looks like money is being sucked out of tech because, you know, the money supply has been shrinking for mint for over a year now. It's about time that this infects the capital goods industry, meaning tech stocks. And now a quick lesson in algebra versus registered supplies of silver. We're going to use Brinks, and I brought this up last week, but we're going to look at the difference between its eligible stock and its registered stock. Registered for sale against futures, that is for sale in the futures market. Eligible is not. We do not know who owns this stuff exactly. We do not know why they own it, but all we know is that it is not for sale. It's just there. Okay, so we go into BRICS and we see here that since the beginning of uh, maybe, I don't know, this is an all-time chart and I can't really zoom in, but let's say, let's say uh, uh, May, maybe May 2023, like a few months ago, we were over here at around 16 million and now we're at 32 million. So the eligible supply has doubled uh, since, let's say, May. So that's like three months, uh, three and a half months or so. And you say, oh my God, there's so much silver and Brinks. Oh, wow, look at that. But but look at this. I mean, this is also Brinks. This is the registered supply, and we're at 4.437 million. Let's see over here, the number is 4.437 million. And this is an all-time low. So we are at an all-time high in eligible supplies, but an all-time low in registered supplies. Now, the question is, why do the people who are own, who own this silver in the eligible category, why don't they want to put it for sale and registered? Well, you know, let's ask them if we can find out who they are. But for some reason, they do not want to sell their silver. Eligible means they're stacking. They're holding it. You don't know why, but let's continue. Now, this chart I could use from Y charts. Uh, and this is on top, we have this spread between long futures and the swap deals. The swap deals are the bullion banks. The long the longs minus the shorts in silver futures by the bullion banks. Now, when the bullion banks are long, 
that usually signifies a an intermediate bottom in the silver price. We've seen this four times since 2018. Here is one. This is the most recent. Uh, we saw here that they went net long. This is the zero line. This black line is the zero line. The bullion banks went net long in their silver contract holdings uh, in, what is that, tw early 2023, right? And that coincided with this little intermediate bottom here. And I think that was March 2023. Here was the intermediate cycle low or the yearly cycle low, or whatever the technical people want to call it, uh, in September 2022, when silver, I think, went down to 16 or something like that. And we saw here the bullion banks were, were even higher net long than they were here. And this is even lower low. We see it back here in 2019, early 20, mid 2019, about when the bullion banks were net long over here and there was an intermediate bottom over here. And also here in 2018, another intermediate bottom over here. So not every single time, but this is a very reliable indicator that we are at or near an intermediate bottom. So yes, this is a very reliable indicator that the intermediate bottom is either here or very close. Let's continue here. We have a very high volume up day and the most leveraged gold miner ETF, that is JNUG, that takes the junior gold miners, which is already le leveraged against gold, and it triple leverages them with derivatives, with options. I don't recommend buying this fund. This is uh, for crack addicts. Peter, what are you doing? Crack? What the? F uh, we don't want this. I'm just using it as an indicator here. And we see here in the blue lines that the volume here, I've touched a red line to this volume line here for the weekly volume, or is it the daily volume? This is the daily volume, actually. And going back the last six months, only once has it been exceeded. And when was that exceeding? That was in early March 2023 uh, at this intermediate bottom over here. And from there, where did we go? We went to, you know, from 28 to 52. That's almost double. I'm not saying that is exactly going to happen this time, but I'm saying that high volume updates, which hasn't happened since here, uh, are very often correlated with intermediate bottoms in mining stocks. And now I wanted to talk about Palladium. I don't talk about Palladium often. I don't really understand Palladium. I'm not a Palladium expert. I'm just looking at some really weird stuff that is really sticking out like a sore thumb made of Palladium. Like if you had a Palladium thumb and you went like this, that's how it would stick out. Um, I don't recommend Palladium thumbs. I don't think they're very useful. They're not very opposable because they don't move. But anyway, um, I looked at the COTs, the Commitment of Traders Reports, which divides traders based on their category, whether they are producers of a commodity or bullion banks that are making markets between the producers and the hedge funds. Uh, and the producers here, if you look at their net contract holdings of Palladium, Palladium is a very thinly traded contract, so low numbers are, are uh, still high numbers relative to gold and silver here. Uh, so we have here that the producers of palladium are net long 2,434 contracts. Has this ever been matched? Nope, not even close. This is an all-time high for producers that are long palladium. And producers produce palladium. Usually they go short palladium so they can balance their books. If they go short palladium, it means they're locking in a price to sell their palladium. And then they can sell their palladium at that price by delivering into the contract, by digging up palladium and selling it into the contract. That's what they usually do. Um, but now they're net long, meaning they're buying palladium on the futures market. The commercials are, even though they produce this stuff. So that is very, very rare. Uh, if you look at the zero mark, here's the zero mark right here under the 2434. Right? I think this is a, uh, no, it's not a log. It's just very lopsided because they're never above zero. 
right? Palladium producers are now above zero for the first time, like ever. Uh, th- something's going on here. The palladium producers are low on palladium because they think the price is too low. But anyway, who's short palladium if the producers are long palladium? Well, that would be the hedge funds. And you see here, the hedge funds are short palladium more than they have ever been in history. Down here by 8,536 contracts. It's probably different by the time you're watching this. Uh, but this is an extreme, crazy situation where the hedge funds are short and the producers are long. Now, and look at this. Uh, I'm colorblind, so my my daughter helped me with this. I'm not sure which is the green and which is the red. I think this, I don't know. I, I, I forgot. But uh, they look the same to me. But anyway, whatever this is over here, because she told me what it was, um, this color, whatever it is, is above this color, which has never happened any time before, even though it all looks the same to me, uh, ever. Uh, maybe like very, very briefly over here, but this not not this widely, never, ever this widely. And this is the um, longs. This is the producer's longs. And this is the 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 hedge fund shorts. The hedge funds are 9,711 contract short. This is the disaggregated um, measurements here. So Dwayne, I think you might be colorblind. You can't fly jets if you're colorblind. Okay, we've got an emergency back here. So here in the blue, which I can see, uh, is the the hedge fund shorts, and here is the producers' longs. Uh, this is leading to a potentially explosive situation, and I explain it over here. I Meaning, going back all the way on this chart to 1977, or to where the COTs start in about 1985 or so, never been in this situation, never. But anyway, I explain it in this bullet pointed little uh, Spartanly dressed a uh, little list here. So Comex Palladium situation is 8,383 spot September contracts remain open. 434 contracts of metal are available, right? That's a big leverage. The longs are ex- almost exclusively the producers and the bullion banks together. They are long the Palladium contracts. Who are the shorts? The shorts are the speculative hedge funds. Now, why is that significant? Because of this final bullet point here. The producers, when they're net long, they have a vested interest in standing for delivery and forcing hedge funds to deliver palladium at any price. Remember the nickel fiasco? Well, that was when a nickel company, I forgot some Chinese company, was short nickel and it was a, it was a nickel mining company. So nickel went way, way up in the short squeeze and the nickel mining company, even though it should have been great for them, uh, it bankrupted them because they were short nickel to hedge. So they had to have a giant margin call, even though they mine nickel for a, you know their business. But it's different when the producers themselves are along the metal that they produce. Right? And that's the situation now. So the producers are net long like 9,000 contracts. And it's the speculative hedge funds that are short. So the producers have every incentive to stand for delivery on those contracts and force the hedge funds to buy palladium at market at whatever price. That would be good for them because they're not short any contracts. They will be able to handle it. And they can then take those palladium, uh, physical palladium and sell it back on the market. This is a potential short, short squeeze that is very much plausible in this situation. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Maybe the company's regulations don't allow them to use these derivatives as money-making vehicles. That's in a lot of company uh, disclosures. 
Uh, but if there is enough, if there are enough bullion banks and producers that can stand for deliver and palladium, they can really force a short squeeze on these speculative hedge funds. Why they're going short, I don't know. Maybe it's some algorithmic thing. Uh, but this is a, a very special situation here. And eventually this is going to happen to gold and silver. But I do believe that the platinum group metals are uh, bellwethers for what eventually is going to happen in gold and silver. And I think that is the situation that is culminating right now, possibly so. And we should know in the next few days as palladium goes to delivery. This is Ralphie of the Endgame Investor. If you enjoyed this video, then of course, tune in next week. And tune in always to... Arcadia Economics, the great team, Chris and Yara, who I have so much to thank for. And you can support them by signing up for the Endgame Investor for a two-week free trial at the link in the description below, where you can become a patron on Patreon, where I give more spiritual lessons about money and God and all that other stuff that turns some people off, some people on, where if you want it, you can get it for $3 a month, which very soon will be completely worthless and I'll keep doing it Anyway, I'll see you guys next week. No!